And welcome to the Duck Territory podcast. I'm Matt Frame. Uh, Eric Scopel is across the way. Hey, guys. Uh, we're, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon, and depending on when you listen to this, it could be Wednesday, it could be Thursday, Friday, or possibly Saturday, considering it's a night game. Uh, but it's the 110th edition of Oregon-Washington rivalry. Uh, I don't think there's really an official... I was going to say, where's the nickname? There should yeah. be a good, there, we need a nickname for this rivalry. I don't think there's a, a nickname out there. Uh, maybe that's our... Our goal for this week to come up with something, but uh, the Ducks come into this one five and four, two and four in the Pac-12. The Huskies are seven and one, four and one in the Pac-12, and fresh off of the first college football playoff rankings, yeah. they're twelfth. Um, Pac-12, no respect. Yeah, no respect for the Pac-12, and but at the same time, I I think you know Washington's good. We were saying that you know we think that this Husky team is very very talented, but. Who have they played right, that, that says that they're, you know, what they were last year? You know, they, they won at Rutgers. They played Montana. They played Fresno State in non-conference. They won at Colorado. They won at Oregon State. They played California. They they lost at Arizona State. And then uh, this past weekend, they, they beat UCLA. So It's a very back-heavy schedule, and they missed the top two teams in the South, at least who we think they are, right. USC and Arizona, who faced up each other this week. and. That if you get to what happens after this, they play the top, probably the next best three teams in the Pac-12 North. I mean, their their best two teams that they've played this season is Arizona State and UCLA, and they're one and one in that performance. Um, I think they're really good. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, I I think the reasoning for the high spread is justified mm-hmm. with Oregon's quarterback issues and the talent that UW has, but this is a team at. At UW, we don't really know how good they are yet. Uh, like you mentioned, they play Oregon this weekend, 7 o'clock kick, 7 p.m., uh, and then they play at Stanford, and then they play Utah and Washington State at home to close out the regular season. Uh, and we'll know a lot more about that team uh, going forward. But for Oregon, um, this is a week where it's redemption. You know, They lost 70-21 to 21 last season. Um Coaches have said that this isn't a rivalry game. Every game's a rivalry game this week. Right. Um, trying not to make any you know, a bigger importance than it really is publicly. Um, privately, though, I think this is viewed differently internally by the staff, by the players, by the program, by the athletic department, and, and tr- absolutely by the fan base. Well, an indication of the fact that this maybe means a little bit more than Taggart would rather have you believe, at least from what he said on Monday. Jalen Joke says they have the 70 to 21 score hanging from the weight room. So yeah. obviously this is a game they have circled on their calendar. They were embarrassed last year. I mean, every single player we spoke to this week just kind of preached that sentiment. They were embarrassed. They, they came out and were not happy with how they played. Giving up 70 points, uh, Jalen Joke said, is like a Madden score. Yeah. And that's not something that should actually happen. And, and I think they are extremely focused on this. This is there's a lot of redemption here for them. So to say this is not a rivalry, I think is is kind of short sighted. At the same time, you obviously understand the sentiment that Coach Taggart is trying to create there. He doesn't want guys thinking one game is more important than the other. But I mean, you get it. But don't but don't 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 mince his words. This is a big game. Yeah. This game means a ton. And for for Oregon, possibly. Evening the score, if you will, against Washington after what was, like I said, a very embarrassing defeat last season would mean a, a, a ton to the program and to what Taggart's working towards. And this isn't, you know, I, I think Oregon respects their opponent in Washington. 
um, they are hungry to get a win. And, you know, Arion Springs made an interesting comment this week of saying, like, look, you, know, you have to give them props. They they put up 70 on us. They had a really, really good game against us. We played really poorly. And he, he, he pointed out that what made it worse is the fact that that game came in Washington's best season in years. Mm-hmm. And compounded with the issue was that Oregon had their worst season probably ever in the modern of the, la- of, of the last 25 the last years, 20 30 yeah. years yeah. Uh, of Oregon football and he said that's what made it really bad is that not only were we not competitive but Washington had the best season that they've had in a long time and Oregon and I'm speaking for Arian Springs here he said we had the worst year we've ever had in a long time that's what made it bad and he you know he he said you got to give him credit they they did what they did, and we didn't do what we were supposed to do. I will, I will say, this week on our message boards, with, there are some threads that are Washington and Oregon fans are able to interact. And it's interesting how quickly the, the tides have, have turned because Oregon had 12 years of dominance over Washington, and Oregon was the fan base that was saying, ah, you know, you guys can't compete with us. We're, you know, we're the big brother, your little brother. Right. And now, after one year, Washington fans are, are right back, and the, the tables have totally turned, and you kind of get the sense that this is what makes it such a great rivalry is that these fan bases really don't like each other, and they really like when they're on top and so that they can rub it in each other's face. And you know that this Oregon program, and especially this fan base, would love nothing more than to, to flip that script once again. I mean, Arion Springs, he said a lot of good things about the rivalry this week. He said that it's not a rivalry if only one team wins. Right. And, you know... And now it's it's gotten back to that hostility, at least between the fan bases, because both teams have tasted the success of victory uh, by the slow, slimmest of margins and also by the widest of margins. You know, Oregon had a couple tight wins during that 12-game win streak, and they also had a, a, a couple ton, of monumental a blowouts. Of big ones, yeah. Uh, and, and now it's UW getting that, that taste, and you know, that's what makes this rivalry so good is that both teams now are winning. I think Oregon's on the upswing. Uh, are, are they at the level of Washington yet? No, 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 no I, one is. I, I don't think so. No one is saying that you know at, they're at that level. But that being said, this game still could you know rivalry games. You kind of throw out records. I, I think you can you can justify that Oregon is a vastly improved football team than the one that they put out against Washington last year. Uh, is it going to be enough to keep the game competitive? We'll see. Uh, but Seattle's expecting very bad weather this weekend. Maybe that plays into Oregon's hands because, look, if you can't throw the football, you run the ball. And, you know, it kind of limits what you do when you have torrential downpours and terrible weather of how, how your offense moves. And maybe this is a positive for Oregon because it kind of maybe limits or hinders what Washington can do offensively. And, and well, let's maybe transition into. I know we've already got a couple of comments asking about this, but right, Herbert. Will Justin Herbert play, and this is big, I mean, I, understandably so. This is the starting quarterback for the first uh, four and a half games of the season. Uh, now has been out for about a month. Will he play this week, Matt? What do you? What, what are your thoughts on this? We've now I, watched two days of practice. Yeah, so we've seen we've seen Taggart come out on. Uh, let's go backtrack a little bit. Yeah, Saturday, okay. uh, Herbert. Took second team reps during warmups of the Utah game. Did not play. Post game, Taggart said what about his availability? He said that no doctors have ruled him out. We could have played him if we needed to. Some, you know, something along those lines. So that goes into Monday morning. 
Uh, and Monday, Taggart again says he's drinking milk. We'll see how he <laughs> how he can play. Uh, he's getting better. Non-committal one way or the other, as, right. as we would expect. Uh, on Tuesday, we saw at football practice, we saw Herbert take third-team reps uh, during the open portion of practice, and then during the closed portion of practice, he took second-team reps. Um, and then on Wednesday, he took first-team reps at quarterback, and will probably take second- or first-team reps uh, on practice uh, that that was closed to the media. Yeah. That being said, Taggart also said before Wednesday's practice that they're looking out for the best-case scenario for him, yeah, best his interest. best interest for him. He was asked if he was been given clearance um, by the doctors. He dodged that question. Did not answer it. He, he gave, uh, well, when Justin feels right, when the doctors say he's okay, and when we feel good about it, you know, gave a whole bunch of, I think he said, when the football gods determine he's yes. ready to play, he'll play, which is basically, <laughs> I don't know who those people are and what, how, what kind of medical licenses they have. But, <laughs> but clear, clearly, we don't know if he's ready health-wise in terms of the medical things. We think so. I mean, he's, he's dodging, he's dodging the question. I, I, there's a gamemanship here. Right. Um, you want to make UW prepare as much as they have to. Um, but when it comes down to it, as of when we're recording this podcast on Wednesday afternoon, um, I don't think he makes the field. I, I, hmm. I think the fact that they beat Utah last week and they have now just one win away from getting bowl eligible. And while you want to win as many games as you can, there's no difference in seven and five and six and six from a football standpoint, you know, hierarchy of football. You know, yeah, one more win is better than one less win. But the, the, you're playing the same quality of a bowl game, basically, same quality of opponent, same amount of practice time beforehand. Yeah. Um, there's really there's a little difference between that extra win outside of just pride and, I guess, statistical aspects historically. Yeah. But you only need to win one more game to get to a bowl game if they – with the Utah win, the bye coming after UW, I don't think they rush it. I don't think they risk it. They don't play him. Here's a comment here, and it kind of ties into my perspective on it. Kevin Brito, let's not mess Herbert up for longer than he needs to be out. Uh, remember what happened with Dennis Dixon. This kind of – I'm not sure how many people play Madden, but when you play Madden and the player comes back from injury, you have a choice if you play him or not. If you play, if you do play him early, he has got a significantly higher percentage chance of re-injuring himself. And I – I know that this isn't Madden and this is real life, but I kind of wonder if, if Herbert maybe has been told he could play, but that if he does and he lands on it weird, he might have mercy. You know, the injuries get worse. He's out longer. He's unable to play for the rest of the season. And so maybe that is the decision that Taggart is juggling right now is, okay, he could, the doctors say he can play, but if he does and he, he re-injures it, not only is he missed the rest of whatever game he gets hurt in, but right. he's out for the rest of the season maybe out through spring practice and and now you're hindering the future of the program. So I you know, I, I kind of understand that perspective as well. With that said, I know a lot of Oregon fans want to play because you're playing your, your bitter rival and they just I mean look the score will by, be a, the score will be a lot closer if Herbert plays. Uh, absolutely. And I, I I think there's an outside chance Oregon could win this game if Herbert plays and he's able to play like he was even it just like at the beginning of that last time we saw him at the beginning of that Cal game he was I think eight for nine to start that game looked great. Um Certainly a tough situation if he does not play for Braxton Burmeister, who is 0-2 on road games so far this season, had a pretty 
disappointing uh, effort in his first road game at Stanford was actually pulled midway through the game. Heck, I think he completed three of eight passes. You don't necessarily know what you're going to see from him in that game. But look, he played a lot better against Utah last week. Certainly room for um, optimism with how he performed. At the same time, I, I think if he plays, it's very unlikely Oregon wins and, and probably unlikely they keep it all that competitive. I mean, the, the question here is how good is, is, is Oregon's defense legit enough where they can they can kind of shut down the UW offense and prevent them from scoring 21 points? Can, can, or, or 17 points, really. Can... Can Oregon's offense score 20 points against this UW defense? Which is at, which, by the way, is second nationally in scoring defense with 12, 12 points, points per, game. per game. Yeah. Um, Oregon's is, you know, middle of the road in the Pac-12, seventh in the country, or seventh in the Pac-12, yeah. 20, uh, 29.2 points, uh, per game. You know, thinking here is though, is that you've got Oregon's rushing offense. I mean, even without Herbert. At quarterback, and the Ducks have been very proficient running the football. They, they average 256 yards a game. They're second in the Pac-12 uh, in that category. And if it wasn't for Khalil Tate uh, just <laughs> basically inserting himself into the Heisman talk at Arizona, they'd be leading the conference in, in rushing this season. Yeah. Um, Arizona is roughly 80 yards more because of the Khalil Tate. He runs after. for like 220 yards a game. It's yeah, incredible. Um, <laughs> Washington's defense, it's, it's the unstoppable force against the unmovable object is, here. Yeah. Washington's is the best against, defense is the best against the run. They give second up. Second nationally, by the way. Second nationally. They give up just 2.8 yards per carry. Which is incredible. That's going to be what decides yeah. the game. Can, can Oregon effectively move the football? And that's kind of what, you know, maybe gives me intrigue or mystique about this, this game because we haven't seen UW play anybody. Yeah. And how, are these stats inflated because of the opponent, or are they legit? I think they're somewhere in between. I, I think there is reasonable doubt about the quality of that run defense because the top three run offenses in the conference, Utah or UW has yet to play. Arizona is not in their schedule. Stanford, who they play next week, and Oregon, who they play this week. They haven't faced any of the big dogs running the football, and that's not to say that they're a bad run defense. I think they they allow like 75 yards a game, which yeah, is incredible. I mean, they're good. They're really, really good. But let's see how they handle Oregon, Stanford, and maybe Arizona if they fight into a conference championship game before we say that this is... They haven't, they haven't faced an offensive tackle like Crosby. No. And, yeah. you know, Mario Cristobal came out on Tuesday and said that you, you try to eliminate yourself away from comments of your own players because you can be biased. But right. he said, I have no doubt in my mind, and I can say without any judgment, that Tyrell Crosby is the best offensive tackle in the country. And, you know, he's shooting up draft boards. You know, every time Morgan has big plays, it's typically to the left side of the football. Um, and then Throckmorton, he came out and said, Throckmorton's just behind him. Yeah. You know, very, very good player on the right side. And this offensive line was perfect against Cal when Her- when Herbert went down, and that was all well. It's Cal, and they you know they they struggled to find their footing a little bit, you know, to play a perfect game. But then last week against Utah, another very stout defense, 
they played perfect, mm-hmm. and we saw what they did. They ran for almost the most yards in, in of the season. They were they were two kneels away. Yeah, they had, they had it before that, and I wrote it in my story and had to retract it afterwards because Braxton took an extra couple yards back on those kneels. But yeah, I think if you if if you want to be glass half full on the Oregon's ability to run against Washington, you have to just look back at last week because Utah came in I think as the third best rush defense in the Pac-12, and I think they were 17th nationally against the run. And Oregon absolutely had their way with them. And if Oregon's going to be competitive in this game, regardless of who's at quarterback, it's going to come down to can they run the football and can that offensive line get push against this Washington front, which is right now considered one of the best in the country. And An underlying storyline, though, for for this is the flip side because yeah. UW is Miles Gaskin, Coleman, very two very good running backs. Mm-hmm. But UW lost Trey Adams for that injury that he had a couple weeks ago. Uh, huge left tackle for them. Yep. Probably their best offensive lineman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're facing a defense. I mean, this is crazy to say because at the beginning of the year, there were so many question marks. Oregon's defense has proven they are legit. Yeah. And more importantly, their front seven has. Even with all the linebacker issues that they've had, they are 15th in the country, second in the Pac-12 to just Washington in rush defense. Mm-hmm. Washington wins games because the run sets up the pass. I I think you could say Oregon's DBs are, are they're not elite, I don't think, but they're pretty good. A lot of talent. A lot of talent. Some young guys. Some young guys, but and Dante Pettis, you know, they were all very you know high on him and you know what he could do. Um, but outside of Pettis, I don't know if there's a guy out there that kind of really scares you. Well, looking at Washington's numbers, this is an interesting thing because their their yardage numbers are very average across the board, like right bottom to bottom half in the conference. But they score a lot in the red zone. They're actually second in the conference in scoring because they convert at such a high percentage there. But getting back to the receiver thing, it's Pettis, and I don't think anybody's within like 25 to 30 catches of him besides I think it's Hunter Bryant in their freshman tight end, and he's out this week. So Washington's playing without some playmakers. If this does end up being a game where you need to throw the football, I'm not sure Washington's skill position at receiver is much better than Oregon's. Right. And I would I would say Oregon's probably got, I think, if Herbert's playing a better quarterback and better running backs than Washington. It's just a matter of can this Oregon defense slow them down. And I think forcing turnovers, if it's a weird, wet game, Maybe the ball bounces the right way. Maybe Browning has some difficulty handling the football. Maybe he throw, Maybe he loses a couple balls, a la Jared Goff, like four years ago at Otson, and it's just kind of a weird deal. And, and that maybe maybe that's how you win the football game. Let's go to kind of our our keys to the game. You do these every week. Yeah, I haven't done them yet, but we'll, we won't cement these in for your article, but. No, I wanna, and I wanna, let's, do, let's do some pre-writing right now. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just copy and paste this into a file, and I'll be good. I'll save myself 40 minutes of time. But I look at this game, and you kind of mentioned it. One of the biggest keys for me is Oregon's defense. When when it gets when UW gets the ball across the Oregon 30-yard line, they have to they have to do what they did against Utah mm-hmm. to win. Make them kick field goals, not touchdowns. That's the priority number one for me is limit the damage. Damage is going to come. There will be dents in the armor. There will be there will be links broken yeah. for for Oregon uh, in this game. But it's how bad, how how much damage control can you do 
against this team, and you have to force field goals instead of touchdowns. If you get a defensive stop on fourth down or something, that is huge for you. You've got to be able to – they're going to score. Make the scores be field goals and not touchdowns. I mean, you look at – last year's a perfect example. They scored 70 points, 10 touchdowns. If, if a couple – not that they would have won the game, but if you held them to a couple field goals there, that could have been 50-something points right. rather than 70. So, absolutely, I think that is a big key. I think, obviously, we've kind of discussed the second – one which is just who wins the battle up front. And Oregon last week against Utah did such a great job of that. Held Utah to the least rushing yards that Utah had had on the season. And on the flip side, ran for the most yards that Utah had allowed on the season by like 150 yards. If Oregon is able to replicate that, run the ball really well, stop Washington from running the football, I think Oregon puts himself in a, a pretty good chance to win. And then another one for me is third down conversions. And... It's twofold here, but more importantly, what Oregon does on first and second sure. down. Those are the bigger downs for Oregon. Oregon can't go into this game facing a situation where they are going to face a third and seven, a third and eight, third and nine, third and ten. Um, they need third and four, third and three. They need to be able to look at a third down and say, we can run the football. Because if you... If you're having to rely on Burmeister throwing the ball more than 15 times in this game, trying to convert more than five third down conversions via pass, you're going to lose. First down and second down for Oregon are critical. They have to have positive plays. Even if it's two yards each play, you have to have positive plays. You can't get behind the chains uh, in, in this game if Oregon wants to have a chance. And then conversely on the defensive end, you need to you need to force Jake Browning into third and sevens, third and eights, third and nines. He converts you, you live with it, you move on. But you, you can't go with this style of what basically what Oregon does with without Herbert in. You know, ten or eleven play drives, seventy five yards, six or seven minutes off the clock. That's the worst thing possible for this Oregon defense. They need to get third and longs. So you have to win first and second down. Yeah, I think this year more than any is kind of taught. Oregon fans and, and us in the media, the importance of those first and second downs of, yep. of staying on schedule of, of you have to get a couple positive yards because the difference of three yards on first down as you know, a three yard gain in it and a, a two and yard a, gain and a, and a one yard gain is two yards on third down and, and you end up putting yourself in a tough situation. And I think you were a little encouraged with how Burmeister played in some situations. He had a key third down scramble against Utah. He threw a couple of nice passes on third down, but Overall, if he is the quarterback, and, and I don't think either of us can say with 100% certainty he will be, and obviously the dynamic changes greatly if Justin Herbert is out there, but you do not want to put yourself in a spot where it is third and 11, third and 12 with Braxton Burmeister at quarterback on what could be a very rainy day with limited skill position guys on the outside and ask him to try to beat the other team, especially a defense that's as good as Washington. And then for me, lastly, and you know, we'll we'll tease yours for later in the week. Right. But for me, it's you need to Oregon needs to create some kind of a turnover on on defense or special teams, um, whether that be turnover on downs or that be an interception or a fumble, uh, what have you. Um, they need to be able to create some kind of a way to get extra possessions, flip the field a little bit. And then conversely, Braxton Burmeister can't turn the football over. And more importantly, they need to limit the explosion plays with Dante Pettis on punts. Mm-hmm. 
He's the conference's best punt returner in his conference history. Uh, I think he's got, like, what, eight touchdowns on punt returns in his career? A couple this season already. Mm-hmm. He's very dangerous. Tiger said they'll punt to him, but they need to, you know, th- the key is form tackling and fundamentals and wrapping up and, and making the play. Oregon has to be able to to prevent him from ripping off. It doesn't have to be touchdowns. Yeah. You just can't you can't allow 20-yard gains, 10-yard, 15-yard gains because that, that's a momentum killer for you, and it's a momentum boost for them, and it flips the field. We've got three questions here that we'll get to from Facebook Live. First, Daniel Meza, how is C.J. Verdell looking? Will we see him next year? Uh, C.J., if, he, if not for an ankle injury he suffered, I think, in about week three of the season, he might have played over Darian Felix. That was at least the discussion that I had with um, running backs coach Dante Pimpleton. It kind of came down to, hey, we need an extra running back when guys got dinged up and Darian Felix was healthy and C.J. Verdell wasn't, so they went with Felix. And now it does look like Verdell is redshirting. And, yeah, I, absolutely we'll see. I think we'll see him next year um, with Royce Freeman and Ken Ivanois leaving the graduation. I would expect Verdell will, will battle for some pretty significant reps um, with the true freshmen that we have on roster now and then the two coming in next year plus the veterans. Um, next, Jordan Fisher asks, is it possible Taggart puts Herbert in if Braxton has a terrible first half and the game gets out of hand? No. I would say I would say that would be a poor choice just because you don't want to put him out there. If the game's in hand and it's over, why, why put him out there I mean, just to get injured? I mean, say, say in this scenario, Oregon somehow has a three-point lead or it's tied at halftime yeah. and Burmeister gets hurt in the third quarter. I, maybe. Maybe you, maybe you throw Herbert out there because the game is still within reach. An upset is possible. But if it's the other way and you're getting killed and Burmeister goes down or you need to, you want to try something different, it's going to be Taylor Alley. Yeah. And I, I would hope if things get out of hand like it did at Stanford. Yeah. And early in the, in the, in the second quarter and it, the game is not necessarily over, but it's starting to get out of hand a little bit and your offense is in a huge funk, I would hope they would try at least mixing things up here. And then finally, Chang Sepan says, is Matt Mariota going to play? Um, he's dinged up. He's been dinged up. He hasn't played. I don't. Has he played this season? Maybe early on he played. But I think they're pretty comfortable with the tight ends they have. And frankly, the tight ends they have have played pretty well. I mean, they have three touchdowns receiving in the last five games, and they're all from tight ends. You know, And, and I think Cam McCormick... And Jacob Breeland both deserve a lot of credit for how they blocked on the edge. I mean, last week they ran a lot on the outside, and a lot of that was with the tight end on the outside, kind of with that seal block. So um, I do not Who knows? Maybe something happens, but he hasn't been practicing a whole lot or playing much um, recently. That's going to do it for us outside of our score predictions. Yes. Um, Oregon is it opened as a 26-point favorite for the Huskies. It's now down to some sports books at 19. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of the idea that Herbert is yeah, possibly, the Herbert effect is possibly playing. If he does play, I would expect that number to go down even more, almost a touchdown more, maybe 12 or 13 points. Um, with him out, I think that number goes back up. If I was betting, I wait till the very last second to throw out a bet. If, I, if I'm betting, I wouldn't bet on this game because well, see, if you don't know who's going to play at quarterback, you just stay away from it. I'm, I'm different. I, if if you're there at the game or you get if you can follow people on right. Twitter and you get a sense of what's going on, because we'll know who's starting about 20 minutes before kickoff. Right. If it's Burmeister, I'm throwing money on Washington. If it's ni- if it's still 19 points, I'm I'm throwing money on Washington probably. 
uh, to win that one. Maybe tease it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but if it's Herbert, I'm throwing it the other direction. Uh, especially if it if it drops. If it drops like 16, 15 points and, and Burmeister starts, I'm throwing money on, on UW. Yeah, no um, but for my score prediction, I think Oregon's going to lose. I think Oregon is going to keep this game much closer than it was last season. I think Oregon will be competitive for almost three and a half quarters of this game. They may, they may not win, uh, they may not lead ever in this game, uh, but I think they're going to have, you know, some, They'll be maybe on life support here a little bit at times, but I think they'll have a chance to, to pull off, you know, hey, we can still win this game. Make a stop here, get a drive here, you know, do this, do that. We're right back in this thing. We're right there. We're, you know, we're just a couple plays away. I, I think Oregon offensively plays much better running the ball. Uh, I don't, I don't think UW's defense, um, will, will, will play as well as they've put up statistically in previous games. And I'm going to say, uh, Washington wins this one 38-20. Uh, well, it would be a lot easier if we knew who was going to play at quarterback. So we may make a, a prediction here, Matt. And uh, uh, If Herbert plays, I really think this game could, could I don't want to say go either way, but I think it could be a, like a one-score game. I really do. Because, um, I, like I said, I, I have not been overly impressed with what Washington has done this year. Part of that's just because I haven't played a lot of good teams. And I think Oregon has showed over the last, I know they've lost a bunch of games, but that defense played pretty well. Um, but if Herbert doesn't play, I, I, I could see this one kind of going the way of, of Stanford a little bit. So Before you make a pick, yeah, this is not necessarily breaking news yeah. on a podcast. Oh boy, what's going on? But the odds have just refreshed themselves. Oh my gosh, Matt. And it's How now, do you do this? <laughs> it's now down to a 17 point. How does spread? that happen in 30 seconds? Now? What's going on here? Um, okay, uh, so you picked Washington to cover, but you didn't think you picked Washington to cover. Um, I'll <laughs> make my. I was already. I was already hemming and hawing. I'll. I'll, I'll take Washington to win um, 42 to 24. I'll give. I'll give. Also give him an 18, 18 point. point and yeah. And that, that is subject to change, as you did last week, <laughs> depending upon any news we learn before we make our final predictions on uh, Friday. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if, if if Herbert does get named the starter... Which or, he probably won't, he won't because probably won't. Taggart's already said he's not going to make a decision basically until game time. Yeah, I asked him that on Wednesday if, if Taggart had any kind of a deadline of when he needed to make a decision. He's like, uh, before the game starts? <laughs> so That's optimal. <laughs> um yeah, so I don't think you know, and there's gamemanship here going on. Yeah, but if, if Herbert plays, maybe we should do this too. Let's pick scores if Herbert plays. Okay. So without him, I've got Oregon losing 38 to 20. Uh, you've got Oregon losing 42 to 24 without Herbert. Well, I'll, I'll, I kind of had I'll go 48 to 17 if Herbert doesn't play. I'll, 48 to 17. Yeah, I'll, I'll change it. I'll change it because I, I was kind of. Trying to even it out there. To, I think if Oregon doesn't have Herbert, it could be a pretty lopsided. With Herbert, yeah, uh, I think this is going to be a game where it's thirty-eight to twenty-eight. I think Washington. I, I think if Herbert plays, I'm going to say it's forty-two to thirty-eight. Washington. I think it's going to be really close. You think it's a shootout? I think it's going to be a shootout. Yeah. So well, hopefully, 
we have an idea of what the, what plays out. I I would be more in favor of the latter, where we get to see a close football, close football game. We get to see Herbert play uh, against a Washington defense who statistically is one of the best in the country. Yeah. Get a good feel of how really good and important Herbert truly is. Uh, how, how much of an impact he is. I mean, you're you're you have Herbert as a twenty one point differential. Uh, I, is that crazy? I mean, I got him as an eight, and I thought that was pretty high. I, I think, I, yeah, he's, he's a big, it's a big deal. We, we've seen how much better he is than, than Braxton Burmeister. So, game time, seven o'clock, FS1. Uh, Eric, myself, Carly will be there on behalf of DuckTerritory.com. Uh, seven o'clock kick. Follow us pregame. Follow us in the game. And as we drive down I five, we'll be probably recording a podcast and doing some other stuff as well. Plenty of coverage. Uh, for this rivalry game. We'll call it a rivalry game. Uh, Check out DuckTerritory.com. You can find us on iTunes uh, by just searching for the DuckTerritory.com podcast. Uh, We're on there. You you can also listen to this podcast on Libsyn or also on the website. And until we talk to you uh, following the Washington game, we will talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.